0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you, we'll be in Luke, as we continue in our Advent series, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Let me ask you this question, though, as as you're opening and flipping or doing your app or whatever. Have you ever received news that changed everything? You know, you get that news, and you're kind of like, whoa, well, that's life-changing. That is something that will, uh, my life will never be the same ever again, that type of life-changing news. And, you know, I can think of a few things. I got about maybe three of them in my life that uh, would be life-changing. The first one was, hey, I'm pregnant. Uh, The next one is, hey, I'm pregnant again. And then the third one is, hey, we're having another one. And those are all life changing, uh, announcements that we have. And we all have similar stories like that. It can, maybe it's not pregnancy, but, uh, you know, something else like that where suddenly your life is completely different. It's going to be, it's going to be completely changed from that moment on forever and ever. And that is what the shepherds heard. They heard an announcement that was going to change their life forever. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. The word of the Lord says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father God, we just praise you as we continue to worship you through the preaching of your word. God, I just pray that you would work in our hearts as you show yourself, as you reveal yourself through your word. And Lord, I want to preach so that you are glorified. And I want to speak of you and praise you and praise your name. And God, there's no amount of gifting that can do this well. So Lord, by your spirit, help me to preach this sermon with what is needed. Use this sermon for, to bring glory to your name, joy to your people, and salvation to the lost. And amen. This is a familiar story. we've all heard it. we've all read it. we've all watched Charlie Brown. But I think it's important as always to kind of remind ourselves of this Christmas season as I was reminding as I was not reminding as I was reflecting upon Advent this past week, I was kind of thinking that it's kind of like uh, Advent is kind of like uh, the mer- the uh, communion table. It's, it's there to remind us of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it gives us praise to do that. And as we look at this, we see in verses 8 to 13, the giving of an announcement. In verses 8 to 13, we see that giving of an announcement. And in verse 8, we see this, there were shepherds. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why shepherds? Like, why? I think sometimes we romanticize it, right? We get our little nativity scene, and we kind of, they're all nicely dressed, obviously, in the nativity scene as we're setting it up. And we're like, oh, they're nice, cute little figurines. And uh, we kind of romanticize it a little bit. But we've got to understand that shepherds at this period of time, during the time of Jesus, were not people that people liked, They were outcasts. They were the bottom of the food chain of society. They were the people that they couldn't even give a testimony in court because they were deemed as untrustworthy. They were that type of people. Yet Jesus, yet the angels come to a group of these shepherds. Not the fancy of people. They were even considered ceremonially unclean because, well, how in the world can they get ceremonially ceremonially clean if they spend all day and all night sleeping with sheep? They literally smelt like sheep all the time. There is no ability. They were the, the bottom of, of the totem pole of that society. And there's two reasons why Jesus' Jesus's announcement, this announcement that is given, is given to these shepherds. I think number one, it fulfills this very small prophecy that we often overlook. You see, in Jeremiah 13, 33 13. It says, "Flocks shall again pass under the hands of the one who counts them," says the Lord. Now, another reason could be this: the shepherds were an outcasts, as I was just saying before. And this is the main thing. Salvation is for everyone who repents and believes. God comes along and he makes this grand announcement to socially outcast people. This isn't for the elites. This isn't for someone who has all their stuff together, for their life is all together. This is for everyone. The good news of Jesus Christ is for everyone. No one is outside of the grace of God. No one is not unreachable. So God comes along and he makes his announcements to these angels, or to the shepherds. There were shepherds. Out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So just imagine that. You know, you're just chilling. You're in the field, you're relaxing, putting the sheep in the pen. They would, uh, they would put their sheep in, in, in like a like a like a valley into an enclave there that the sheep couldn't get out, and they would literally lie like the gatekeepers, you know, they're getting ready for bed, and all of a sudden your your eyes are closing, and then bang, it's so bright that you can't see. And the glory of the Lord shines shines around them. And the first thing that the angels say to them, I think this is humorous. Just like The angel said to Mary in verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not. First thing, calm down. Don't freak out. Let me tell you why this isn't a time to be afraid. Fear not. So the angel comes to these shepherds and he continues on and he says, why are you not to be afraid? As the angel says to them in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, the good news, this is a proclamation. This is what is being proclaimed to the shepherds. This is a common word that was often used. uh, If someone would come and proclaim good news, it might have been a battle, that was won, it could be anything. But this is the word that we use for evangelism. The proclamation of a good news is about to happen. And this news isn't just good news that is being proclaimed. It is great joy that will come. And you've got to ask yourself, why in the world is it great news of great joy? God is coming. God is coming. God has come to save. Finally, God himself has stepped down from his throne to save a bunch of people like you and me. Like these shepherds. These social outcasts. And then it continues on, it says it's for all the people. I think um, I've been guilty of this too. We quickly read over 12 and go, oh, this is great, but we forget that there's an article there if you know your grammar. All the people. This is specific, it's not for every people, it's for a specific group of people. These are the people who've been waiting for the Savior. These are God's people that he comes and he says, look, the promised Messiah, Emmanuel, is now here. God is now here. And specifically, you've got to think that these are the Jews. We see this in Romans 1.16. It's a passage that we quote quite regularly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And then the angel begins to break this down even more for us in verse 11. For unto you is Christ the Lord. I was reminded about this not too long ago. Some people say this uh, regularly within the church. Not Nolwood, but the church. They say, oh, I don't want any doctrine or anything. I just want more of Jesus Christ. And when they say that statement, they forget they're saying the most theological statement possible. Jesus Christ. Christ is a title. It's the Messiah. It is God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who will pay the price and points to the office in terms of the promised anointed one of God. And not only that, he is from the city of David. He is from the line of David. He's fulfilling the promises that King David's line will never perish, that it will be forever. The city, he is from that line of David. He is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. He can save from destruction and death. And it points to his role as Deliverer. And then there's that last part. He is the Lord. This isn't just some ordinary baby. This This is... This is something I can't... We've all held a baby, right? I think most of us have probably held a baby at some point in our life. Like a newborn. Now think about holding that baby and looking down and being like, you're the Lord. The Lord. The one whom and through all things are created. The Lord. And it points... The angel's want us to see that it points to his sovereign authority. The promised and anointed savior was none other than God himself appearing in flesh, both 100% man and 100% God. We just talked about that today with the with the new city catechism. It's very important. God had to be fully man in order to be our representative so that we can have a mediator before God. He had to be. But he had to be fully God at the same time. So the angels come to us and say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Look, this is God's promise being fulfilled. Don't forget about this. God's prophecy, prophesied all the way, 700 years before, is being fulfilled. There's a baby being born in the city of David. Why? Because he's from the line of David. And this baby is Savior. He is going to be the deliverer. And he's going to be Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And not only that, he is the Lord, the Sovereign One. God Himself. And as the angels continue on, and this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in the manger. What a great thing. And as we reflect upon who God is, who this baby is, the familiar Christmas time story contains this depth of a gospel meaning that we may not see at first glance. Rather than bringing fear, which is the appropriate response, right? When the glory of God shines, you have a right to be scared out of your mind, right? That's, that's the natural response. If you're not scared of the glory of the Lord around you, then you've got a problem, right? The, the natural response is to fall on your face in humble submission to God. But rather than bringing fear, which is that appropriate response to seeing the glory and the greatness of God, the gospel, the good news is described by the angels as great joy that will be for all the people. It is a message of joy because a Savior and Lord has arrived to save and reign over us. For anybody who repents that Jesus Christ is both Lord and Savior, it is a message of joy because this Savior and Lord is the one who brings peace and acceptance from God himself. It is only through this event that we see in Luke 2 that me and you are made right before God. Outside of that, Ephesians calls us eph- objects of wrath. But here, fear not. And then the angels give the, the shepherds a sign and this will be a sign for you, he says. God gives him a sign of identity. Because what would you expect? Right? This angelic announcement, all of this amazing things happening. What would you expect? You might expect this baby to be in some like gold plated crib of some kind with like 200 count Egyptian cotton type sheets. Right? <laughs> No. Baby's born and placed in a manger. This God, Christ, the Lord, you see some great humility in there, don't you? See, if there's anyone in this world that deserves to be in a gold plated crib with 200 count Egyptian cotton sheets, is God Himself. Yet here He comes giving up. Adding to himself his humanity, coming as a baby to be put into a manger. When we see him wrapped in the swaddling cloths of his humanity, and even more, when we see him dying in the naked agency of the cross, we know that he is Christ God has sent to save us. In verse 13, and then suddenly, these angels... Like just imagine that. You think just one angel has to tell them not to be afraid? And then a multitude show up in the heavenly hosts, praising God. That would be like... You guys complain about church being loud sometimes? I'm just saying. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom, with whom He is please. This is the right response for a believer. Look at what God has done. I've said this before. Our joy is not based upon our circumstances. Our joy is based on what God has done for us. And he has saved us. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord is born today. See, the gospel isn't for some sort of elite group of people that have it all together. It is for all of those who repent and believe, that recognize their need for a Savior who is Jesus Christ, who is the only one who is able to save, and rests in his finished work that he has done on the cross, that you have been saved by grace alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. See, this announcement isn't just an announcement, though. It's not just like, hey, guess, check out what I have for you. That's it. There's an outcome that happens in verse 14. See, our greatest dilemma in this life is that we are all guilty of what the Bible calls sin. Sin is transgression of God's law. And one of us has loved God and others and, and, and sorry, and, and, and sin is transgression of God's law and not loving God and obeying the commands that he has done. As sinners, by birth and choice, we have violated the law of Christ and stand condemned for our disobedience. We cannot and will not leave sin, God will not leave sin unpunished. And just one violation of sin, of his law, is sufficient for judgments. We, we kind of come along to God and we say, oh, it was just a white lie. No, it was a lie. God's eternal judgment of all guilty lawbreakers is the second death in a lake of fire, which is called hell. In other words, this. Our greatest dilemma is that there is no peace between God and man outside of Jesus Christ. But in verse 14, we see this amazing thing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom He is pleased. Peace. Total peace. Not just a little peace. Not just outward peace. But complete peace. Not just... An outward, worldly peace, but an inward peace. We don't know what we have until we see this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. It's an amazing thing those with whom he is pleased, literally people of good pleasure. What does that mean? Those people who are in favored relationship with God. It is in that relationship that you see his fulfillment of this promise that he shows his mercy and his power. It is in that relationship that we see peace. Outside of Jesus Christ, you will not know peace. You may have some, right? Your life might be good. You have a good life, and there's not a lot of violence in there, but you will not be at peace with God ever unless you've been made right before a holy God, and that only happens through Jesus Christ. Among those whom he is pleased. See, don't miss the dilemma that is coming here. It is only through Jesus Christ, who was born in the city of David, who is the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, who came into the world as a man to live a life perfectly obedient to all the commands of God the Father, and to die the death required for the payment of sin. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment we deserve to get, to set sinners free. The third day after his crucifixion, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and earning eternal life for those who trust him. His resurrection is God, the Father's approval of Christ's redeeming work. This is why I love this thing back here. I don't know if it was ever planned, but you have the cross with the manger. You can't come to the manger without seeing what Christ accomplishes at the cross. As much as I love Christmas and I love presents and I love a white Christmas, I'm praying hard. (laughs) Because it's been a while. This is what makes, this is the best news. When I truly understand that there's a holy God and that I have sinned against that holy God and because of that sin, the only right I have is hell itself. And that Christ died, came as a baby, born of the Virgin Mary, grew up, and died on the cross for my sins, so that I be, may be made right before Him. Uh, that is the greatest news. And I know sometimes it's hard. I remember as a kid, I was like, "No way! Christmas presents are the best things," right? Like, be honest. But this is truly. The best news. There's, there are only two responses to this. Acceptance of this announcement or rejection. There's only two. Someone comes along to me and says, Oh, they're sitting on the fence. There's no sitting on the fence when it comes to the God. You either are in acceptance of his gifts or you're not. Or you reject it. There's no middle grounds. And sitting on the fence isn't very comfortable anyways. I don't understand that. To receive the good news of the gospel is to come to understand that despite our background and failures, God reaches out to us with the loving message of peace. Receiving the gospel is not just understanding this, this, this abstract idea, but it is believing by faith that the glorious God of the universe is now pleased with us and speaks peace. Into our personal lives. We saw that in the Minor Prophets, remember? God dancing with joy around his people who he has redeemed. The result is a release from fear and an entry into freedom, into joy, and an eager seeking after God. Have we ever, under, do you ever understand, do you ever see or ask, why one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy? Well, this is why. What happens next is important because it shows how to respond to the gospel. As we see in verses 15 to 20, the reaction to the announcements. See, in verse 15, we see, which the Lord has made known to us. So the shepherds get this news. This is the great thing, Okay. They get the news. The first thing they do is they go. They go see it. They want to see what's going on. Which you got to understand is a major thing for the shepherds. right? Their livelihood is in the sheep. And to leave the sheep unprotected is to, is to have uh, wolves or other animals, a predator could be taken, or just other uh, sheep stealers. Just come in and see. And they're like, no way, this is way better. So they leave their sheep, they get up, and they go. That's their response. That's their reaction to the good news of Jesus Christ. But we see this, which the Lord has made known to us. So who told them this? God. Don't look over this too quickly. What this shows is how much we need to preach the gospel. To understand what God has done, we need to have someone explain it to us. I am saved because someone faithfully taught me the gospel. That is why if you are saved, you are saved. Someone was bold enough to teach you the gospel. And by faith you accepted that. You know, we come and we kind of quote St. Francis of Assisi all the time. Preach the gospel always, only use words when necessary. We don't even know if he actually said that. But that is completely counter to what the Word of God says. You must proclaim the gospel, the good news. To understand what God has done, they can't just look at your life and say, hey, that's a good person. All they get is that you're a good person. But why are you a good person? We need to have someone explain it to us. By itself, what God has done could not save the shepherds or any, anyone else. They needed to know what it meant by faith, which could only happen by divine revelation. This is how God saves us, not simply by sending Jesus to be our Savior, but also by preaching to us the gospel so that we can believe in his saving work. God doesn't just do things. He also says things. And we need to know what he says so that we can believe in what he has done. And in verse 16, and they went with haste. They were eager to see this promise sign. They didn't diddle-daddle. Oh, we'll get to that tomorrow. Uh, the relief crew is coming in. At 8 a.m., so we'll wait till then. No, they left. And in verse 17, 18, they say, they made known. And when they saw it, it says, they made known the saying that the Lord, what the Lord had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. See, the shepherds hear this news, they go see the baby, and they're immediately bearing testimony of what God has done. You see what's going on here? Telling others the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ and causing this amazing thing to happen. People began to wonder. But notice this is that not everyone necessarily believes, they just wondered. But that's not their job. Their job is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. See, what happens now is important because it shows how to respond to the gospel that the shepherds were given. We all respond to the good news in different ways. Everyone who hears the news thought it was amazing. It was great. That's super cool. You see this in verse 18. But it doesn't say that they believed. People wonder about all sorts of things but they may never really believe. And as the text continues on, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, this is the grounds for the shepherds glorifying and praising God. Our praise, our glorifying God is not based on our circumstances, but what God has done for us. See, many people have the same response today. They think that Christmas makes a great story. It's a great story. But they wonder whether it's all true. They're just not sure. This baby was born in Bethlehem, is he really the Savior? Is he, is he really the Lord? Some people wonder, but they can't keep wondering forever. Either the good news of great joy is true, in which case we should believe in Jesus Christ, or else the whole thing is a myth, in which case there is no one to save us from our sins so what? The so what is really found in this last verse here. A great multitude of angels worship God at the announcement of Jesus' birth to shepherds who also worship after seeing Jesus. Believing hearts cannot help but join in the praise. They can't. See, this announcement proclaims that the coming baby is the Savior of the world who brings peace between God and man. All this is for the glory of God. The story of the shepherds ends with this great and glorious joy as the angels promised, and the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Do you see what the shepherds were doing? They were imitating the angels by glorifying God in the highest and praising him for the peace on earth. This is what the gospel does. It brings us to faith in Jesus Christ, and this, in turn, leads to witness and to worship. First, we come and see. And when we know for sure, we go and tell, glorifying and praising God all along the way. The announcement proclaims that the coming baby is a savior of the world who brings peace between God and man. So let me ask you this question. What is the gospel doing in your life? Are you sharing your faith? Are you spreading the good news about Jesus Christ, especially during this Christmas season? This is the one time of year where the gospel is literally on the radio all the time. People complain all the time about how we can't go into schools and stuff and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's on the radio. Most of the songs we sung today are on the radio. People are hearing it. What are we doing about it? Are you praising God, glorifying Him for the gift of salvation? If you have come to Christ, then you must be doing these things because every Christian does but perhaps you are still wondering about Jesus. Maybe you're pondering his gospel in your heart. If so, then God is calling you to believe the angels and follow the shepherds to Jesus. He will be born in your heart by faith. The announcement proclaims that the coming baby is the savior of the world who brings peace between God and man. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to worship you and to praise you. This is truly good news. So Father, I pray that we wouldn't just sit here and hear this good news without doing something with it. May we be faithful in proclaiming it. May we be faithful in in making disciples of Jesus Christ for your glory and amen.